Welcome to Loaded Talk. I'm Frank, your congressman, the third most popular candidate to ever be. Along with me today, as always... What's up, Planet Earth? I'm Charlie slash Bean. The Bean. Whichever name you say, I say the other one. You <laughs> <laughs> said both. Really messed me up. So, happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween. How did the, the wee one enjoy her trick-or-treating? Uh, definitely, that was an experience. Uh, she loved it, that's for sure. Um... Didn't understand the concept of taking one. Yeah, <laughs> you know, when they're real little like that, their hands are so small. It doesn't really matter anyway. But uh, drives me nuts is like the teenagers slash adults that don't even really have a costume or don't have a costume at all, not even pretending to have a costume. And when they take more than one, because like I was set up on candy duty over at the friend's house, you know, all the kids were out and about, and. Uh, and yeah, so a lot of people would be good. The kids typically were, you know, go, hey, just pick one of your favorite. Okay, okay. Every now and then, it was kind of fun. Every now and then, one of them would like palm one to grab two. I was like, okay, like I see you, but I'm not going to call you out. That's pretty sneaky. Um, I remember this one group. And uh, so it was like, I think a mom and like maybe an adult or an old teenager. I don't know. And uh, and then little ones, you know, so all the kids were polite. All the kids were polite. Mom grabbed one for some reason. And then the, the daughter, like the adult or older teenager was the last one. I was like, all right, let's just grab one. And she's like, starts digging in with her hand. I'm like, all right, let's just get one. And she did not care what I said. And just and let, like, bah, threw in the bag and left. Didn't even like leave in a hurry. Like just took a couple steps back to the curb where everybody was waiting to just chat and stuff. And was like. I find that to be rude. <laughs> like the you know, only like every now and then a little kid like ah I got a couple I'm like all right just one one all right you know but uh, Emma's the whole bowl type. She was trying to walk are, off with an entire bowl. Yeah, that's how her wee little oh, hands. and decorations. Okay, well I guess her wee little hands can carry more than I thought. <laughs> a whole new meaning to Halloween for me now. Yeah, that's all right. You have to get a little taser when she grabs too many. Just bzz, bzz. It's called parenting. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. So luckily that was the only thing going on in the world, really, was Halloween. Um, everything else was pretty calm. Pretty calm. Um, I do hear there's still something going on in the Middle East. And um, it's getting interesting. We've got... Um, the drums of war definitely banging, and I don't know how this is going to shake out. Um, you know, we started by positioning, like, as our government, positioning, like, you know, we stand with Israel no matter what, we're not calling for a ceasefire, it's war, blah, blah, blah. And at the same time, we're like, but the Palestinian people, blah, blah, blah. You know, we're trying to kind of talk out of both sides of our mouth, um, Though, I mean, I think a lot of people do, you know, feel for the Palestinian people and don't conflate them with Hamas. Um, but, you know, as a national policy, it was kind of weird because it's like, hey, we don't want to cease fire. Also, we're going to send like millions of dollars to the Palestinians and also to the Israelis. And it's like, well, so Hamas gets a bunch of cash. Israel gets a bunch of cash and we're not involved. It seems like we're feeling both sides. Almost like it's, I don't know, almost like like we don't know what we want. Or we just want a war. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. Well, yeah. And just in case that money runs out, you can utilize our aircraft carriers oh. right next door. Oh. Yeah. That was when uh, when things were first popping off and that carrier group got there. 
and it was said uh, we might talk about it on the show, but um, I don't think it was Netanyahu, but somebody met with or somebody was talking to Lebanon, and it was just like, look, if Hezbollah comes in. We're blaming you specifically, and we're going to destroy. I forget which city they said, but you know we're going to destroy it, and the Americans are going to help uh, with their aircraft carrier. And it was just like, well, we are right there, so I don't think this person's talking out of school. Um, but God, the uh, the the alliances that we have are getting very convoluted for a lot of people. Because everyone like, oh, we're allies with Israel. And Egypt, and I don't think we're allies with Lebanon. I'm pretty confident we're not. Um, but there's there's a couple of groups in there, and it's like, I don't know. It's like, all right, well, if this person gets in the war against Israel, it's like if this NATO country jumps in on the side of the of Palestine, of you know Hamas, and they attack Israel, which one do we? defend the nato country or do we defend israel or which one do we defend <laughs> it's like I, I think we have to like basically make a new civil war we'll just send half the americans on nato we'll send half the america for israel and then it'll just be america versus america when you stop pretending and we'll just all die for nothing you know at least at least that would be a little more transparent as opposed to just pretending like we're neutral while sending people to to die and fight for a cause that's not our own i think we also sent two nuclear subs like why i know we sent a second strike group out um as china relocated some of their strike groups which of course um you know i was doing that podcast for a while with old old salty millennial there jimmy and so we talked a lot of Navy stuff with a lot of Navy people, um, which is pretty interesting. I, I learned a whole lot that I didn't know. And, you know, it's these people that like live and breathe it um, 24-7. You know, the most interesting thing about the people that we talked to, because it's like it'd be veterans, it was active duty, it was people that would write, you know, these white papers and think pieces and stuff like that. Um, some of the most anti-war people I've ever spoken to. You know, like these people that run warships, uh, you know, put in decades, you know, position like they are pretty non-interventionist and they don't like war at all. You know, it's not like the the cartoons of uh, like army guys or let's go in there and just kill everybody. You know, it's it was uh, it was eye opening how anti-war they all were kind of refreshing. Um, But uh, oh, but during that. Boy, is the Navy community jealous of the ships that China makes. They really? Keep, well, they keep coming up with these brand new, beautifully clean ships, you know, like new construction. They look really cool. And then you see these pictures. Our naval ships are all so rusty. And they, you know, they slap on a fresh coat of paint and they dry dock them and fix them and put them back in. But I forget the last time they've built one, you know. And I actually do think that the national defense kind of thing. I wonder if we shut down foreign bases, like, cause we got so many of them, right? Shut down. I, I mean, it'd be hard to shut them all down just to get the will of, of everybody in Congress, but pick a number, you know, 20%, 25%, 50%. I don't know. You know, obviously more the merrier, but if you shut down, shut down all these bases, especially in a place like um, Germany, you know, right. it's like, okay, I got it. But, you know, 
we don't need as many over there. You know, I get it's good to have strategy, but um, being proximity to Russia and all these people, but it's like maybe maybe we don't maybe Germany's not going to attack anything, and probably Austria is pretty cool too. And yeah, you know, like I don't know, we'll we can have other places. Um, but if you shut down enough bases, I wonder if you could build new carrier groups, save money in the long run, and instead of having people deployed overseas constantly, you know, you send out some Navy, I forget what they, the exercises, you know, so you have, you do have naval bases in a couple places or whatever, and I know that's not perfect to be better to not be anywhere threatening people, um, but really if you had, even if they're home, you know, like if you have a great fleet and you had to go to war, you could cover a lot of ground if you had a bunch of, you know, roaming cities that you could deploy at any time, as opposed to just like sitting, you know, sitting a bunch of army guys somewhere, a bunch of, I know they got planes and everything too, but it just, I don't know, ground troops is not the, not the future of war, unless it's, nope. yeah, you know, Israel has been showing that a lot, They're, they've not really done much on the ground, they're using strikes, um, you know, Russia and Ukraine is different, but I don't know. I don't know about that. It's also old technology and just, I don't know, artillery. Artillery rounds, but we're not going to go into that kind of war because we don't have any artillery rounds because we gave them all away. So, you know, what do we need? What do we need the troops for? They don't have any ammo. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. There's definitely tensions seem to continue to build. Um, as expected, the longer this goes on and the more strikes that occur, the anti-Israeli sentiment grows. Um, it seems to be the more popular, the more... It, it's not even left and right. I mean, definitely there's some left-right there where right tends to be you know, Israel, left tends to be Palestine. Um, but like Amy Schumer, probably, you know, it seems like a lot of people that are Jewish with ties to Israel or just, um, or maybe just emotional ties, uh, even on the left or like, Hey, like this is messed up. There's a lot of murder. Maybe we don't support Hamas on this one. Maybe, maybe there's, maybe there is a difference between people setting out to purposefully kill civilians and behead them and rape them and kill the babies and all that. And like responding to an attack on your country by going to war and there being, you know, collateral damage. Um, I heard a nice alternative to that, which is a difficult one. But it's like um, the example would be uh, if somebody somebody came in and um, you know killed you killed your spouse, and so they call nine one one and they take uh, your mother hostage, right? So the cops come up, they've got your mother hostage, um, and they. They've killed, you know, your spouse. The cops show up and they go, well, we got to take out the bad guy. And so they just spray bullets, kill them both. And they go, there we go. Threat neutralized. Do you go, the cops murdered my mother? Or do you say, well, it's collateral damage, you know? And you would say, well, the cops murdered my mother. And so, you know, in that example, of course, cops, Israel and all that kind of stuff. And so the thing is like, if you know, if you know, innocent civilians are there, and that they're going to die if you pull the trigger and you pull the trigger anyway. Have you not just murdered innocence? You know, it, and I can't, you know, you can't say, like, no, no, nothing about that makes sense. 
Um, but you know, like World War II, there was a dumber war, I guess, dumb bombs, you know, less precision, all that kind of stuff. And it was just, you know, whether you're looking at the Blitzkrieg or anything else, or when they bomb in Germany, like it took out innocence and, you know, they were just trying to take out as much property as possible and, you know, kill people, destroy property until the enemy's will to fight has, has ended, um, which is war. Um, and, you know, Hamas goes out of their way to keep Palestinians in the, in the way of the fire. And for the last few years, regardless of the way that, you know, Palestinians are treated in Gaza or the West Bank or whatever, when there's actually like Hamas attacks, shooting rockets and stuff, they don't respond if it's, you know, the school or the hospital where, where Hamas has been hiding. Like it's an open secret. They use the tunnels. They keep their headquarters under hospitals and preschools and stuff like that because Israel has been trying to do the friendly fight, which I think friendly war, I think is one. I think friendly war is one of the dumbest concepts. Yeah, I was just <laughs> like it didn't work great in Vietnam. And we'd pull people out and be like, all right, why don't you take a break real quick, go home, visit the family. And so you're like, pull it out of the jungle. You just put it in the middle. You're like, how you doing? They're like, back to the jungle. <laughs> you know, it didn't work well for that. And that dragged on and we lost. And then if you look at the Middle East stuff, you know, that dragged on forever. And we essentially lost because we wanted to do it the friendly way. We're nation building. We weren't taking things, you know, we weren't destroying. We were building. It's like, no, we weren't. I mean, we were trying to force our will on the people and um how'd that work out you know that's just more people are pissed off by our presence understandably so it's hard to say i'm friendly when you're aiming guns at people you know and that's of course the argument against having these bases everywhere you know you surround a country surround a country with military bases and then go why are these people so hostile towards us it's like well maybe it's all the guns we've surrounded them with maybe i don't feel particularly safe when we're just like as long as you're good, you don't die. It's just like, oh, okay, sounds good. We're friends. Like, I don't know. It just doesn't seem to work, you know. But, but there's been some happenings. Um, so we remember the, I'm going to say the Wagner Group. Um, U.S. Intelligence thinks Wagner plans to send air defense system we got a cookie monster. We got a cookie monster here. Yeah, a little refresh on that thing. Yeah, but we've talked about, of course, the Wagner Group was uh, is the Russian um, militia that doesn't base itself in Russia uh, because of loopholes. Um, but they have always been there to kind of do Putin's bidding on a military basis without being a, an actual Russian operation. And then in the uh, few months ago or whatever we talked about it um the head of the wagner group wagner group uh said that they were getting hit by russian airstrikes and uh and they didn't like that and so the uh we're not gonna be able to pull it up all right reuters does not like us well screw reuters i'll just read it it's fine but uh but anyway so he turned and said he was gonna march on moscow and overthrow putin all that kind of stuff and uh before he got there they Came up with a deal where it was like, okay, y'all leave and go back to, I forget where they had to go to, but it was like, all right, it'll be, it'll be peaceful. It's fine. We won't kill you. And then of course the 
the leader of the Wagner Group, Wagner Group, and a couple of the other guys had a plane crash. It was the damnedest thing. Damnedest thing. But uh, the United States has intelligence that Russia's Wagner Mercenary Group plans to provide Hezbollah, the Iranian-backed Lebanese militia, an air defense system. Wall Street Journal reported, uh, citing U.S. officials. They said Wagner plans to supply the, the Panzer S-1 system known by NATO as the SA-22, which uses anti-aircraft missiles and air defense guns to intercept aircraft. Wagner Group was funded by the Russian state and has been brought firmly under Kremlin control since an aborted mutiny by its former leader, whatever the hell, Prigozhin, in June, did not reply to a request to comment. That's a one unidentified U.S. official quoted by the journal said the Washington... Uh, that Washington had not confirmed that the system had been sent, uh, but U.S. officials are monitoring discussions involving Wagner and Hezbollah, the journal said. Uh, let's see. Basically, they provide a system through Syria, where Russia propped up President Bashar al-Assad by entering the civil war there in 2015, which was also... we. Uh, Obama didn't want to get involved in the Syrian thing, so I was like, oh, Russia will take care of it. And like, we're, yeah, good. Russia's got it. Whatever. We don't care. So now, like, it's kind of like a little Russian puppet state. Not that I think we should have made it our puppet state, but that's just what happened. It's weird, you know. There's policies that I don't think the U.S. should get involved in. And they do sometimes, and bad things happen. But when they don't, Russia or China does seem to step in. And I don't know if that's better or worse. You know, like one would think, I, I think it's the way they go about it. I think, you know, Russia and China, they go, pretend we're not here. Pretend we're not involved. We'll slide you some cash. You do your thing. But when we call, you pick up the phone and you dance, you know. Whereas U.S. is like, hey, we are here. We're going to run everything. We're going to be watching your ass. We're going to probably launder some money through here. This is this is ours. We're going to say it's yours, but we're going to be here. <laughs> and then all the citizens are just like, why is all these U.S. troops? I don't like this. And then they, you know, rebel against that occupation, you know. So it seems like Russia and China do more of a sneaky way that also somehow seems to look more supportive than um, colonizing. Uh, whereas we were just like, well, if it's our money. It's our country. So like it's working well in Ukraine though. Uh, <laughs> that's a Iran's revolutionary guards founded Hezbollah in 1982 in the middle of Lebanon's uh, 1975 to 1990 civil war. It was part of Iran's effort to export its 1979 Islamic revolution around the region and fight Israeli forces after their 1982 invasion of Lebanon. Um, okay, Lebanon's Hezbollah has been exchanging fire with Israeli forces across the border since its Palestinian ally Hamas in Gaza and Israel went to war on October 7th. All right, so our intelligence says um, Russia, this one, next one's going to be Reuters too. I don't know if it's going to let us... Um, but it says, all right, um, this Wagner group, which is, you know, a militant group linked to Russia, is providing air defense, basically ways to shoot down Israeli airplanes and perhaps rockets as well. So they go, oh, I'll come back here. All right. So they go, all right, well, let's, let's talk to Russia about that, right? What does Russia say? Uh, did it work or no? I don't know what's up with Reuters. I wonder if there's. Well, we'll figure something out. But, uh, all right. 
But the Kremlin on Friday dismissed the Wall Street Journal report that U.S. intelligence believed Russia's Wagner mercenary group plans to provide Hezbollah with an air defense system. We have already said that de facto, we already said that de facto, such a group Wagner does not exist. Okay, that's a weird response. Of course they did. Like, that is not a thing. It's like the mob. There's no such thing as the mob. Right. <laughs> like, what did we expect? <laughs> that's the thing. You go, you go, oh, they denied it. Well, let's see what they had to say. It's like, there is no Wagner group. It's like, well, I mean, there is. <laughs> no, there's no mafia. Uh, let's see. Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov said when asked, blah, 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 blah. All of these musings are as ruled based on nothing and have no foundation. When asked about report, there are emergency channels of communication between the Russia and U.S. militaries. And if there are real concerns about something, the Americans can always convey them to our military. Um, let's see. There's another good thing in here. Putin, Putin and the Kremlin have repeatedly said that there is no legal basis for Wagner under the law, which bans mercenary groups inside of Russia. Through, though in late September, Putin was shown meeting with one of the senior former commanders of the group. And say, I think that might so be. they're illegal in Russia, but outside of Russia, they're fine. Well, they can't make rules for countries outside of Russia. <laughs> That's the thing. They've been, it. yeah, I know. They've been based in, um, oh, crud. I can't remember. But like for a while, they're based in like North Africa or something. Or, um, oh. It's going to come to me later. But, it, you know, they've, they haven't been based in Russia for a long time, in part because, you know, well, because they're illegal in Russia. But it's like, you know, if you have your team of military assassins and you go out and, like, start taking out people, and people go, hey, man, that's an act of war. Are we at war now? You know, uh, maybe. But if it goes, that third party went and attacked people again? Third party? So, I don't know. That's not the strongest denial I've ever heard. You know? There is no group. They are nothing. The, was it the Simpsons? When uh, they were overseas and they were touring uh, Germany and they were doing some history tour. And Lisa's like, hey, all the pages between... You know, 1940 and 1950 are missing or something like that. Like, we are on vacation. The whole, everyone is on vacation. <laughs> yeah, but it reminds me of that. It's just like, nope, nope. I don't know. They're not even real. It's a story time thing. It's not true. Oh, okay. Okay. There's two guys I used to work with. One had a saying that was, that makes as much sense as a football bat. Okay. And the other one said it makes all it makes a lot of sense if you don't think about it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, it's nice not thinking about things, you know, it really moves the things forward. Russia's like, don't look at this Wagner group. If you don't look at it, it doesn't exist. <laughs> look, close your eyes, it all disappears. Look, I'm not even here. <laughs> yeah. Little kids playing hide and seek by putting a sheet over their head, you know. Exactly. <laughs> they just put a sheet over the Wagner group. It's like, what Wagner group? <laughs> just cover the W. It's like, oh, the Agners. The Agners. Different group. Turn upside down, McDonald's them. Um, so, unfortunately, that's not the only thing that's been getting involved in with the Ruskies and everybody. We got it. Is this one working? I'll monitor. 
working. What the hell is up? I wonder if it's it working. I wonder if it was some setting I did. I think it's your third monitor. No. I don't know. That one shouldn't even be programmed into it. Well, I'll let you figure that out. We'll go ahead and chitty chat. We uh we tweaked our setup and uh, I kind of did all the tweaking and yeah, I don't well, know if we're gonna get. All right, that's all right. We Bean will sit down and figure this out. I'm sure I did things wrong, but uh, it'll be fun though. Everything's coming out nicely on this end. Um, getting fancier. Growing pains, growing pains. Um, well, all right. From Al Monitor, uh, Hamas delegation arrives in Russia. Hamas and Iranian officials are currently in Moscow, and Palestinian Authority President uh, Mahmoud Abbas could soon follow, Kremlin officials said on Thursday as Russia navigates a war in Gaza. A Hamas delegation led by Hamas's international relations chief, uh, Musabu Marzouk, met with uh, Russian foreign ministry officials. The discussion uh, focused on the release of foreign hostages from Gaza, as well as evacuation of Russian citizens and foreigners from this enclave. Let's see. So the Russian embassy said that 14, or sorry, on October 14th, that 16 Russian citizens were killed in the Hamas attack and another eight are missing. At least one Russian-Israeli citizen is being held in Gaza. Uh, da 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 so, let's see, Israel considers the invitation of senior Hamas officials Moscow has taken as an obscene step that gives support to terrorism and legitimizes the atrocities of the Hamas terrorists. They call on the Russian government to expel Hamas terrorists immediately. Um, Iran's deputy foreign minister, Ali Bagheri Khani, visited Moscow as well. So we got Hamas, we got Iran, and we got Russia all together. The diplomat met with his Russian counterpart, Sergei Rybak, Rybakov, Rybakov, ugh, to discuss bilateral cooperation on unspecified international security issues, the official Islamic Republic news agency reported. Um, so the bilateral cooperation. Russian foreign ministry spokesperson confirmed whatever. So then the deputy foreign minister said that Abbas will arrive in Moscow soon for an official visit. The dip diplomat added that the Palestinian leader will meet with Vladimir Putin during the trip. And that, that, that. so Russia is saying that they're meeting with Moscow leaders because uh, they're trying to broker some sort of return of hostages like Russian citizens. Um, arrange a ceasefire and all that and that they're bringing in. So they got Hamas, they got Palestinian authority and then they got Iran and, uh, who of course funds Hamas and Hezbollah and you know, all that. So on the surface, they go, look, we had citizens get kidnapped. We had citizens die, you know, and we want our people back. We want uh, a nice peaceful resolution. And we think we are the party to broker peace. So that's what Russia says. On the other hand, um, right now, as we just said, there's a Russian militia group that might be providing anti-aircraft missiles to Hezbollah. And 
Yeah, and so like you got Hezbollah, you got Hamas, and you got you know Palestinians all meeting with Russia. Some not Russian group might already be providing defense weapons uh, to get involved. Iran may or may not been funding this operation already. Um, they may or may not have funded Hamas this entire time. Um, and now they're all meeting together. And it's just like, well, it's about peace. Definitely not about, you know, all of our proxy states winning this war. I don't know what, how, I always, I hesitate because, you know, I don't trust our government officials when they say things. And so when they say Russia might be doing this, I think, well, I don't know. I don't necessarily believe you, but I sure don't believe Russian government officials. Like, I mean, we just saw there is no Wagner group. It's like, all right, well, that one's not true. And Iranians like. I don't know. We don't want to build a nuclear weapon. It's like, okay. <laughs> I think we just want nuclear power. We don't want a weapon. It's like, I mean, look, our intelligence entities can be full of liars and horrible people. And they are. Um, and we probably don't need the FBI. It'd be nice to eliminate much of the CIA as we can. I think it's good to have, I mean, we can have military intelligence, like we need intelligence for military applications, but I guess we want intelligence for, the problem is it used to be the logic was like, well, military intelligence is for military actions. This is a state department. We want to know what's going on for diplomatic reasons, for political action, you know? Now we, and maybe from the beginning, but like it went quickly from like being informed uh, for stability of the country to, you know, coups, a lot of coups. Maybe you run some coke for a coup. Um, but uh, I don't know. Do you think, uh, what do you think they're meeting for? Well, it's tough. I mean, when you talk about not trusting, it's like, okay, let's say Russia isn't telling the truth. Crazy. Okay. So then, our own liars, <coughs> excuse me, end up telling us misinformation, knowingly or not knowingly. Right. So does the lie become truth? <laughs> yeah. It's when it when, like, every, when everyone's a liar. That's the and that's the position we're in right now as like, as a globe, but definitely as a country. Trust in Congress is all time low, like below 20%, might be below 15%. Trust in the media is an all time low. I think it's also below 20%. So it's just like we used to have the news that would keep the government in check. Now they're hand in glove. It's the, it's the same thing. The media, uh, corporate media is the government, you know, mainly the Democratic Party, but you got Fox News, that's the Republican Party. And for now, I don't know. The new Murdoch is in charge, you know. And I hear he's more Democrat friendly. He likes going to the cocktail parties and stuff. Rupert Murdoch was, you know, an old salty son of a bitch, you know, and he didn't care if everybody hated him. He built this billion dollar empire and that's what he wanted to do was do that. I mean, that guy was crazy, uh, but I mean, can't knock him. He knew what he was doing. Yep. Uh, but his kids, I hear they they like being more in the mix of the in crowd and being part of the crowd, which of course means Democrat Party. 
Um, but anyway, it's the government, you know, corporate press, traditional press, mainstream press, however you want to say it. That's just the government. It's just um, propaganda, pravda. So it's like, all right, so we don't trust the government. We don't trust our media. Um, we sure as hell don't trust these agencies, FBI, CIA. Um, you know, hard to trust Russia, you know, hard to trust China, Iran, Saudi, Saudi Arabia, you know, Israel. And it's just like, it seems like it feels like everyone's the bad guy, you know, and it's just which one is the worst guy, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it used to be, you know, you vote for, it didn't used to be. You vote for the lesser two evils in most elections right now. But it seems like even in like foreign policy right now, it's side with who we consider the lesser of two evils or who which side we think can benefit us the most by backing, you know? And sometimes that means creating a terrorist organization to battle an enemy. And then later creating another organization to go after the terrorist organization once they become our enemy. <laughs> um I swear, I, I swear we're going to be at, in a skirmish or war or proxy war against Ukraine in the next 30 years. I think it's just, and I think it might be because of the Azov Battalion. I think it might be a very sort of white nationalist Nazi sort of um, country, you know? Um, but anyway, all that to be said, like all that to say, like it makes it difficult because like I think... Often, it's hard to say Russia is a bad actor. Russia, you know, wants a strong Russia, right? Putin wants Russia to be strong. America wants America to be strong. Of course, there's corruption in there. You know, the one thing... I mean, do they, though? Like, does the U.S. leadership want the U.S. to be strong anymore? Like, it just doesn't seem like it. Well, and that's the funny thing I was about to say, is I... I find it's almost easier to figure out Putin's motivations because, like, he's king. Like, he gets elected and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, he's the king. And, like, so the king has his country. And so the country is the king, right? And so he wants the country strong because he's Putin. It's his country. It is literally his. He wants it big and strong. I get that. U.S. officials, they do some terms. They want to get rich. It's really about, like a lot of them, if not all of them, it's about getting themselves rich. It's about their own careers, and it's about leveraging U.S. policy to maximize their personal goals along the way, and it does make it cloudy. Mitch McConnell, when before he became... <laughs> yeah, I love it when he blanks out. Just... So he walks up to <laughs> sir. Would you like to step away? <laughs> but before he was that, uh, you know, he's, I'm a Republican. I want strong America. We have to defend against China and all that. It's like, but married a woman from China whose parents are prominent Chinese citizens. And you go, okay, well, let's not be crazy. Very nice Chinese people out there. A lot of good people. And he starts a shipping company, an international you know, uh, water, whatever they call it, the big freight liners, you know? And it's like, okay, cool. It's like, and then China builds all his ships, I think for free. It's like, okay. 
So Mitch McConnell, who's looking out for America first, um, he's got China that literally built his business and his in-laws are tight. You know, you're not a prominent citizen in China unless you're tight with the party. You know, you can't be like a independent thinking prominent citizen without going to a re-education camp. Um, so it's like, all right, so McConnell's about the country, but clearly he's about himself and he's not going to stand up to China. China built his, he has no money without China. You know, his, I don't know who his kids are. If he's, I assume he's got kids and grandkids at this point. And it's just like, you know, you want your legacy for them. You don't want them to have to work and stuff. And, you know, you set them up in lobbying firms and all that. But, you know, you got people like that. You know, Obama, you know, he was, came out and he wanted America to be less less aggressive in the world, I guess you can say. Of course, he would still drone strike U.S. citizens and stuff like that. And other citizens could blew up a nice wedding or something like that. So, you know, he talked about it. He didn't really walk the walk. Um, but also, he gets in sweet. Like, he gets out book deals, Netflix deals, stack that cash to the ceiling. Maybe murder your chef at some point. Who knows what happened with that? You know, could have just been an accident. Um, but uh, it could be, you know, he was getting down to get down with that chef man and, you know, had to silence him. Same. It was like that in House of Cards. You watch that show with Kevin Spacey? Oh, yeah. Oh, that was such a great show. He, you know, Kevin Spacey was found, like, not guilty, cleared on all charges, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, and I don't know. I don't know what he did or didn't do, but he's cleared on all charges. And we lost a satisfying ending to House of Cards for an accusation that was found not guilty. And I'm not saying, you know, if he's a bad guy, blah, 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 blah. But that was a good show. Yeah, that kind of left me hanging. Of course it did, because they didn't plan on him going away. And they're like, all right, Claire. Now she does. And it's like, well, I mean, Claire's a good character, but who cares? It's like, you know, that tension. You need yep. the tension and... Okay. Well, even then, if okay, she's president now. Can we continue the show? Like, it's, it's still a good show. I mean, it's fine. But yeah, it was one of those things where it's like, all right, just wrap it up, wrap it up. We got to end this thing because, you know, rape allegations or tickling allegations or whatever it was, you know. Steven Tyler, he's getting... Have you seen this stuff with Steven Tyler? No. He has two allegations from I don't, models or something. Uh, who were 16 and 17, repeated uh, respectively, but from like 1972 and 1976. So Stephen Tyler was like 25 and I think 27 or something like that, or whatever the math came out on, and these girls were like 16 and 17. And so the first one came out, and the, she was like, well, I was just turned 16 at the time, and you know, went to this party, blah, blah, blah. And so Stephen Tyler was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, we hooked up, but like she was into it, you know? And this other girl uh, said, oh, he like pinned me against a, a phone booth and was like all gropy and grabby and, you know, humpy. And then like later, I guess at the hotel room or something like that, you know, assaulted her, sexually assaulted her. And um, it could be true. I don't care. I mean, I know I don't care, but like I have no no great defense for Steven Tyler. I'm, Aerosmith's fine, but like I don't really care about Aerosmith at all, you know. And so uh it's 50 years ago. It's 50 years ago. That's the that's the weird part. And like the new one, she was like through a lawyer, she said she wanted to come out and say something so that was it Latino women know they can be strong and report these sorts of things. And it's like 
you you're reporting a 50 year old groping or sexual assault incident or something just now for like civil rights or something so that latino women know they can speak out it's like okay i mean cool latino women i guess latinos mean women inherently but anyway you know like yeah of course you should speak out and yeah put bad guys in, in their place or stab them in the balls whatever you know quite frankly if someone's assaulting you like Cut them wherever you want to. Right. <laughs> Remember face off with the little knife? Yeah. 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 I had twist and pull. Oh, I agree with that 100%. <laughs> There's this little pervy kid at the kid's school. He keeps trying to look up the girl's skirts. And uh, eighth grader, you know, not like a kindergartner or something. Um, which is also weird because in the, the uniforms, like shorts are built into the skirts, I'm pretty sure. Maybe not all of them, but I think so. So first of all, it's just... Not even an effective way to be a pervert. Like, it's stupid. And I, was, I was like, look, man. Because uh, the kid's friends with lots of girls. I was like, you know, you have a an expectation to be able to walk on the floor without a face being there. You know? No matter how hard you step on that floor, there shouldn't be a face there. If there's a face there, oops. You know? Step harder. <laughs> so, yeah, just try and get through that to get back to the floor. So, like, I don't know. It's... I have no no support for those rapist type people, but also, but fifty year old allegations just always strike me as weird. Kevin Spacey, Steven Tyler, it's just like I know people process trauma and all this kind of stuff, but it's like, like I mean, you're gonna wait till now? Like you can't prove it. And that puts him at retirement age. So maybe somebody's a little behind on their retirement savings. Well, that's the thing. It's not you're not going to get a criminal charge 50 years later. It's you know the only thing you do is settle out of court for cash. So it seems like a shakedown. Maybe you write a book. You know, maybe she already wrote a book. Um, but that was uh, Steve Martin got an accusation from this woman that was in a bunch of movies back in. Uh, she still does voice acting today, but she always played kind of a I don't want to say shrill, but she was always a I don't know, like the cranky woman in the building, maybe the hairnet or whatever. But she's been in like a Scorsese movie and all this, but she wrote a book. But in the book, she said in uh, Little uh, Little Shop of Horrors that there's a scene where, you know, Steve Martin's a evil dentist. And so they're sadistic dentist. And so he's supposed to be slamming the door in her face and doing, you know, doing all this very mean stuff. But she was like, I'd go home with a headache and just dizzy because all the times so he'd hit me. And, uh, and so that was her story is that like on, in, on the set, he was really just like smacking the hell out of her. And it's like, so you, Steve Martin. Yeah. First, yeah. First of all, Steve Martin, the only accusation, he's the guy that like quit acting and stuff. Cause he really wants to play banjo. And he's really good. He is very good at banjo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's just like, this guy was just like, I don't know. I just kind of want to make almost no money touring with like a bluegrass band. And every now and then work on uh, a comic. He helps write a, like single pane comics. He doesn't illustrate them. Like he kind of writes the joke or whatever. And he's got the other guy illustrate it. They're all right. You know, they're all right. Um, but it's like, all right. So now he's like famous again through only murders in the building. And so a new generation loves him. And she writes this book. And it's like, it just doesn't ring true that like everyone on the set, no one. Because she wasn't like a new actress. She was pretty established. She'd already done. I forget, but you know, Scorsese, she'd done these, these movies. And it's like, no one was like, Hey Steve, 
stop slapping her in the face and hitting her in the head with a door. Even the makeup crew would have been like, hey, man, if you keep hitting her in the face, we've got to keep covering up all the red marks and her face is getting puffy. You know, you think there'd be something, even just logistically, even if you didn't like her, it's just like, you got to stop hitting her. We got to film this thing, you know? Um, of course, he came out. He's like, we did stage combat things. He's like, no, it's very, he's like, I do very professional stage combat thing. There's no, I did not. That's just not true, you know? And quite frankly, you know, once again, it's a, 40 year old accusation something like that and it's like i just it feels like you're trying to sell a book um all right hold on we got way off topic but uh what the hell are we even okay so you know no one trusts anybody you know and so that's the thing this next story which probably won't work either that's from the blaze um a couple other people have picked it up but it's a 20-year-old Jordanian national with expired visa, trained with weapons to possibly commit an attack in Texas. Um, and so, did I actually pull up? No. All right. Nope. So basically, this story is, this dude was in the country in a visa, legally allowed to work here until 2025. His name is, ooh, Sohaib Abuyash, I hope. Uh, but he was arrested in Houston. Hey, all right. But uh, but he had trained with weapons to possibly commit to possibly commit an attack and was researching how to construct bombs according to the federal authorities. He's a 20-year-old Jordanian national uh, charged with possession of a firearm by a prohibited person. Uh, he bought a 9 mil. That's a pretty cool gun. Um, according to a criminal complaint filed upon his arrest, Abu Yash entered the United States on a non-immigrant visa which expired in 2019 and has allegedly been in direct contact with others who share a radical mindset. So he's talked to people who share, who have a radical mindset. He applied for asylum in the United States after his non-immigrant visa expired. According to the affidavit, he's authorized to work in the U.S. until 2025, but he's not allowed to possess uh, or use firearms or ammunition. And so it accused him of conducting physical training <clears throat> and has trained with weapons to possibly commit an attack. Uh, law enforcement told CNN that he was plotting to attack a Jewish gathering. They did not disclose if there was a specific place or time uh, for the attack. Let's see. They said that he has... Okay. The U.S. magistrate judge says that he has viewed specific and detailed content posted by radical organizations on the internet, including lessons on how to construct bombs or explosive devices, and that defendant has made statements to others that support the killing of individuals of particular religious faiths. faiths. In his communication with another individual about martyrdom, the defendant referred to an event in Houston for members of a particular religious group. And then the FBI poorly began investigating him after an open source research uh, where they discovered videos on social media of him firing multiple guns, according to a redacted probable cause affidavit. Da 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 da. Um, FBI director referenced him in a statement. I don't give a crap. The reality is that terrorism threat has been elevated since all this crap's gone on. Yeah, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> yeah. This is a funny quote. Here in the United States, our most immediate concern is that violent extremists, individuals or small groups, will draw inspiration from the events in the Middle East to carry out attacks against Americans going on in their daily lives. That includes not just homegrown violent extremists inspired by a former terrorist organization, 
a foreign terrorist organization, but also domestic violent, violent extremists targeting the Jewish or, Mo- or Muslim communities. Da-da-da-da. Okay. So if convicted, he faced all this. Once again, the lack of trust thing, right? Post 9-11, what the FBI did is they found 18 to young 20-year-old males online who were Arab, who were feeling a little upset about the post 9-11 world. Because, uh, you know, U.S. took a pretty strong anti-Arab turn. Like, right now I'm hearing about Islamophobia a lot, but I'm not seeing it. Post 9-11, you saw it. It was definitely there. And so they needed to uh, show good results in the war on terror. And so they would talk to a kid, and they'd the FBI would create a plot, talk a kid into participating, say, you know, come on, come on, you got to do it, 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 you got to do it. And they'd go, okay, okay, okay. They go, just push this button, push a button, and the attack happens. They go, okay, okay, okay. And they hit the button, they go, psych, you're in jail now. And the whole plot was totally invented by the FBI. They trick this young kid into it, they talk him into it, and then they throw him in Guantanamo Bay. And they go, we caught a terrorist. And it's like, uh, all right, that's not a thing. Like, you didn't catch a terrorist. You tricked a confused young man who was, you know, feeling angry and, and not represented by his government. And, like, you tricked him into going to a direction so that you could make him a criminal. That's entrapment, you know? This story just stinks of that. Like, dude came over here from Jordan. All right. He wants um, asylum. He doesn't want to go back, which I saw another article where it called him a Palestinian. So maybe it was a Palestinian that went to Jordan and was taken in by Jordan. And I know that it would be odd to need asylum from Jordan, I would think. That's what I'm wondering. Why did he need asylum? I don't know, because the king of Jordan's a a pretty moderate fella. Um, you know, old, old dude drank with him and all that kind of stuff. And so, like... He seems like a fair, like I'm sure, I'm sure there's stuff that he's not great on. I mean, he's a king, but like as far as like Middle East kings go, uh, he really wants Jordan to be moving into the 21st century and, you know, basically just be a big power. But he, you know, he wears like blue jeans and button ups and like he's a pretty casual fella uh, when he's not, you know, on TV and doing all that kind of stuff. But like, you know, he takes he takes meetings in blue jeans, you know, and like he's I know that doesn't say anything necessarily, but it's just to say, like, I just wonder why you need asylum from Jordan. Uh, but I saw another article that said this guy was a Palestinian. Either way. So this dude has been here, came here legally, got a visa. His visa expired. They wouldn't give him another one, which happens. I've got my my friends, the Kazubas from Poland. They're in Canada right now. Uh, because they're having issues getting back into America. Jesus. Yeah, they've got a business here. They just moved it, didn't they? They just moved it uh, because of a horrible landlord that found a loophole to kind of... A combination of a bad landlord and a bad lawyer is a bad combination. And they're working through all that still, you know, but they're trying to set up a new thing. So it's a big pain in the butt, and now it's like... Now they're having issues with their visa, and so instead of going all the way back to Poland, they went to Canada, but they're having issues trying to like get because you know they got kids and they don't want to i don't know they don't want to get deported or anything like that and so they're trying to figure it out but apparently they've been stuck in canada for months you know and like even the investment visa we have the only pathway to citizenship from an investment visa is to sell your investment so like you have this 
this company employs all these people, pays all these taxes to the government, you know, goes to kids are in local schools. You got all these people down, you know, productive members of society uh, to say the least. And it's like the only way they can apply for citizenship, not just not get it, but to apply and start the process is the business that they started in Poland and decided to move to America that has been, you know, it's been growing and, and moving and all that kind of stuff, doing, doing good stuff. He's like, all right, you got to sell your family business. And it's like, I want to keep my family business. It's like, oh, you don't get to be American then. It's like, so, you know, our system's all messed up. Nice American dream. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. And so, uh, so this guy came here and he was like, okay, I want to stay here. And they're like, well, you can't. And he goes, well, I need to apply for asylum. And they go, yeah, well, while we consider it, you know, you can work here until 2025. Um, but, like, guns are awesome, you know? And, like, he's in Houston, Texas. Who do you think he's hanging out with? Who do you think he's hanging out with in Texas? People have like guns. If you're in Texas and you're not shooting guns, that kind of makes you a weirdo, you know? That makes you a terrorist. Um, so it's like, all right, so you got a young dude who, like, yeah, he's from a Middle East country and comes here and, like, everyone's like, hey, let's shoot guns. Like, let's do it, you know? And... Um, and now and it's like he looked up how to make bombs. I mean, people do that sometimes. Of course, I wouldn't. I would never do that. But sometimes people look that stuff up. You know, just whatever. Um, and then the other thing, he may have been planning to go after a certain religious group or you know, attack Jews or whatever. It's like, what do you mean may? Was he or was he not? And he spoke to people that had extreme positions. It's like, okay, are you talking about like a Hamas? We support Hamas group. Are you talking about like domestic extremists, like uh, the Proud Boys or something? You know, so it's like because he's I don't know he's in Texas, and so it's just like you know, is it the extreme group? Who is this extremist group? You know, because there's a lot of like quote unquote right wing groups that are marked as extremists. I mean, hell, the Libertarian Party, uh, after the Mises Caucus takeover, the Southern Poverty Law Center uh, labeled LP National as a as an extremist group. And so it's like, all right, so, you know, it could be any extremist. And uh, I don't know. It's just, that story kind of stinks to me. It kind of smells like we might be doing the, the thing again where we're just going to go after, go after Middle Eastern people. And um, there's an article about... Um, about how I don't have it pulled up, but it was like New York Times or something, and they were saying how the headline was like Islamophobia and anti-Semitism are both on the rise right now. And so, in their article towards the end, they put in the stats about New York City. You know, something like uh, Islamophobic attacks increased year to year from one to eight. And you go, okay, well, I mean that's a big increase. It was like anti-Semitic attacks increase year to year from 16 to, I forget, like 70 or something like that. And so you go, well, that's a, that's a big old jump. But it's like, it's also, it's like, all right. So in this huge Islamophobia uptick, the attacks increased all the way up to half the number of anti-Semitic attacks on just a normal Tuesday. Cause it's like in a non-war, non-Israeli situation, just average year, I guess, uh, in New York city or whatever time period it was. And it's like, there's like 16 anti-Semitic attacks an average year. There's like one Islamophobic. Right. And then like this one with a huge uptick, it's up to eight. 
And so it's like, all right, well, I mean, it's not good, you know, but I don't know. Like, it seems like it's getting lumped together. It's it's not the post 9-11 thing. And like, did you see that big protest in, um, was it Brooklyn or something? Like near like one of the biggest synagogues over there. And like that dude was like just yelling about, you know, elimination of Israel, elimination of Jews. And what were they saying? Playing with fire in Brooklyn. Well, that was the thing The all this, like all the Orthodox synagogues and stuff, they're talking about like, I guess on the Sabbath, you know, a lot of people like to go on walks and all that because you can't, you know, turn on light. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. And so they're just like, don't do it. Don't, don't come to the temple. Don't go for walks. Like, we don't know how this protest is going to turn. Just stay inside. And so it's one of those things where it's like, okay. So like in one of the most, one of the most Jewish parts of like New York, um, everyone's just like, stay inside. Don't leave your home. And like that crazy dude was saying all sorts of stuff. I think he was saying, he's chanting like Jesus was a Muslim and Moses was a Muslim. And it was odd. It was like, I get certain chants, but then they say stuff and we're like, well, how do you put that together? <laughs> as a as a Muslim terrorist, I wouldn't step foot in a Jewish person's home in Brooklyn or a synagogue. They're all strapped. I was about to say they're strapping up like crazy. Like, like they got guns <laughs> for good reason. And the number of uh, gun purchases in the Jewish community is only going up right now for obvious reasons. Yep. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Go near the Diamond District and see how violent it gets. <laughs> um. But uh, you won't, you won't do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's all we need is that stuff popping off. You know that reminded me when I was talking about the whole Jesus being Muslim thing. I got curious, you know, because you hear about, and we might not even get to all the Biden corruption stuff this time, but that's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but they'll keep being, they'll keep adding. We'll have plenty to talk about with Biden. Um, I got curious the other day, so you know, you hear. Um, Okay, well, it was Palestine before it was Israel. And then Israel goes, yeah, but it was Israel before it was Palestine. And uh, we were here first, we were here first, we were here first. And so then I was like, all right, well, I'm like, let me look up King David. You know? So I look up King David, and I found out, okay, King David was you know, a big king or whatever, but, uh, you know, he was the second king of Israel. So you look up, you're like, okay, well, that was a long time ago. Um, the whatever, you know, however many thousands BCE. And so... Uh, but then I saw this mention. It's like, oh yeah, and King David's talked about uh, in Islam as well. I was like, huh. Well, what does Islam say about King David? And so Islam apparently, according to this website where this guy kind of translates um, the Quran and everything, kind of gives a little breakdown. It says like, uh, according to Islam, like King David was a very fair king, a good guy, basically, a good ruler. He was a prophet. Um, so like Islam considers King David a prophet. He was a the leader of, um, I think they call him the Israeli people. And so it was like, you know, this whole, like in the Quran, it talks about like this good leader, King David, King of the Israelis, uh, a prophet to God. Um, they recognized him as a prophet, one of the first kings that was a prophet and all this kind of stuff. And so you sit there, you go, so hold on. So the Quran says nice things about King David, the King of Israel, the Jewish king of Israel, they have similar stories as the Old Testament in um, some of the judgments he's made and where the, you know, he was asked to 
judge these certain things. And, you know, at some point he, there were some tests that God did where he said, uh, judge this. I forget. There's something about sheep or whatever, or maybe the sheep thing went well. Um, either way, there was something, he judged it and he was kind of hasty. He was like, I don't know. You win, you lose. And, uh, someone came up and was just like, Hey, that was a test. And, uh, you know, a bad man did blah, 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 blah. He's like, Oh, well, let's take care of that bad man. They're like, you're the bad man. He drops to his knees. He repents. I'm so sorry, God, I failed you and all that kind of stuff and learns a lesson, moves on, you know? And, uh, but apparently that's in both the old Testament and in the Quran. So it's just, it's like, okay, so these two books, tend to agree with each other that it was a nation of Israel. King David was the king of the Israelis and he was a pretty cool guy and like Muslims liked him and he was like a prophet of God. I don't know if the Old Testament says he's a prophet. I guess they say he talks to God or whatever, but you know, either way, same thing. Um, so it's like, okay, well now I'm confused even further because it's just like, ah, I was Israel and, uh, and then at some point, because um, it was the Philistines back then, Philistines later became, so like there's the Philistines later became the Palestinians. The name deri- Palestinians derives from the Philistines. And so it's like, all right, so it was Israel before it was Palestine. I don't know. I know at some point there was a battle with the Philistines or something like that. So maybe, I don't know if Philistinia or whatever the hell was a nation. I didn't get that far into my research. But it's like at some point, everybody was cool with it being called Israel. Everybody was cool with this David cat. And then like the Romans at some point decided to call the area Palestine based on Philistine. And that was also BCE. I don't know, 100 BCE, something like that. And then like, so the Romans called it that. And then I think changed names, did all this other stuff. And then when the Brits took it over after the Ottoman Empire, uh, they called it Palestine again, but it was like, it didn't belong to Palestinians. It was British Palestine. It was the Brits, you know, theirs. And then later they gave it up and uh, gave it to the Israelis um, and all that. But it's just like, all right, man, like, it just seems like both of you have been there a very long time, <laughs> you know? I think... Uh, was it Zohan, the Adam Sandler movie? Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, that scene towards the end where it's like, everybody in this country hates us because uh, we're Muslim. And he's like, everyone hates us because they think we're Muslim. And um, it's like, yeah, we've been there thousands of years. He's like, what? We just got there? <laughs> <laughs> so it's just one of the, uh, it's so, just so weird. I like to compare, and obviously, you know, Everyone has their own perspective. Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're hearing everyone's perspective, but you know, the Jewish people don't want everyone to convert to Judaism. That's not their goal. Sure, they tell they, people not to. They go, "It's horrible being a Jew. Don't do it." Right. But <laughs> the Muslims, and I'm and I'm referring to most extremists of both sides. Sure, sure. The Muslim extremists want everyone to be Muslim. Right. And if you're not going to be, you're going to die. Right. So it's like, okay. Yeah, and like when you think about the, uh, do you know about the twelfth Imam? No. Well, that, we don't have too much time to get into all the twelfth Imam stuff, but it's like the super extremist um, Muslim side of things. They believe that um, I think the Imams are like the apostles type of things, but there's this, there's like I guess eleven Imams that are mentioned in the Quran and that are kind of the normal cats. Um, 
But there's a 12th Imam who at some point like hid in a well or something like that, uh, trying to defend Islam or whatever and had to hide in a well. Uh, but if they, the, this group, the 12ers, whatever, believe that if you can shed enough blood that the 12th Imam will return to earth, you know, destroy the non-believers and all that kind of stuff. Um, and basically, but the way to bring about the 12th Imam is through mass casualties. Um, a lot of the mullahs in Iran believe in the 12th Imam. So a lot of the leadership of the country, not the people, the Iranian people are very moderate, but, uh, the mullahs who have the control, um, a lot of them believe it. So they're trying to develop a nuclear weapon and maybe they believe if they can kill enough people, that'll be the best, the glory days for, for Islam. Of course, it's, uh, there's a parallel to the 12th Imam in, um, Judeo-Christian stuff. But in that book, uh, that character is kind of referred to as the Antichrist. So, uh, hero for the 12th Imam supporters, villain for people, that, which makes sense because obviously if the Antichrist would not be good for Christians, but if you wanted all the Christians to die, the Antichrist is probably pretty cool. Uh, so it's, uh, that's, that's like a real extreme sect. And, you know, they arguably are nine months away from being able to build a nuclear weapon. Um, or get one from Russia, whatever. I don't think Russia's crazy enough to really want them to have it. Um, just because if you do, like, you might back them for certain things, you know. But, you know, although there's Muslims in Russia and Chechnya and all that kind of stuff, you probably don't want a bunch of nuts trying to blow up the world in the name of bringing, a, bringing the Antichrist in. Uh, and if they, they could backfire against you. Yeah, but just nuclear bombs dropping all over the place for mass casualties is not going to work well for you, you know? And, like, they shoot one over the U.S., like, U.S. shoots one back. Maybe, like, one go towards Russia, like, you know. Or 20. Yeah, 20. <laughs> well, that's the thing, like, it's not going to, you know, you might want to get desperate and shoot one, but you don't want to be sitting back while nukes are going back and forth and just go, everything's fine, like, this could be the end of the planet, but it'll be fine. You know, Putin likes to hold that threat. And like, I'm sure he'll, he would release because they have small ordinance ones, you know, so I'm sure strategically he might be willing to release some small ones. I bet you we are too. Um, but like the big ones, like we're making a new one. That's even yeah, bigger. I heard about that. Why? Yeah. Just making, just making new one. They, uh, Cause our, our stockpiles old and it's, it's hard to test cause we outlaw testing like, uh, underground test or whatever a while ago. And so they're like, look, we just need to upgrade it. And it's basically just be the biggest damn nuclear bomb ever. It's like, cool. Cool. That's what we need. More nukes, bigger nukes. That will go well. And like us making one, you know, why wouldn't anyone else make one? Right. And it's like, well, if you're going to make a bigger one, I'm going to make a bigger one. Yeah, that's what Iran's doing. Like, look, they're making big ones. Yeah. They're like, we don't even have one. We right. want one. Pakistan's like, we got them. And like, India's like, we got them too. Russia's like, we got a whole bunch of them. And it's just like, well, I thought we agreed we wouldn't make any more. It's like, well, so much for that. Nobody wants India to fire theirs because nobody will know where it goes. <laughs> <laughs> Pakistan's like, don't let India fire. <laughs> Oh, yeah, man. Pakistan gets involved, too. That's another... Anyway, I think um, 
I don't think, yeah, we don't have time to get into any of the fun stuff um, or any of the Biden stuff, but that's just, he's corrupt. So that's that. Um, all right, well, let's get to some football watching. Until uh, next, oh, yeah, uh, like us, follow us, smash the like button, as all the kids YouTubers say. Smash that like button, subscribe, hit the alert so you know when we post YouTube, Rumble, iTunes, things, SoundCloud, Spotify. That's what I was trying to find. What you got, Charlie? Um, be careful with the Battle of the Books. Battle of the Books? All this, you know, everyone's story of oh, okay. who was here first. Oh, yeah. Oh, those books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Watch those books. <laughs> All right. Let's get out of here. Uh.